to talk about persistence. You know, if you're going to ever hunt anything, if you're going to go fishing, if you're hunting fish, we call that fishing, or if you are going to um, be a person that goes out and hunts deer or, you know, frogs or whatever it is that you're hunting, how I many you know that there's going to have to be some persistence? You can't just walk out and you can't just say, oh, I didn't find any deer five minutes later and leave. Right? Get in the truck, pack up your gear, and leave. It takes some persistence. It takes some consistency. Uh, Webster's Dictionary defines persistence as this, the quality that allows someone to continue doing something or trying to do something, even though it is difficult or opposed by other people. So persistence means there's resistance. Are you with me? You wouldn't need to persist if there wasn't anything resisting you from persisting, Right? And so in our lives, we've got to develop this persistence in our hunt for God. And today I really want to talk about persistence in prayer. And uh, I don't normally preach a lot on prayer because I'm still a person that's learning how to pray. How many of you guys are still learning how to pray? And uh, we're, we're trying to develop that in our lives. And um, in the kingdom, our persistence in prayer is key. It's like, it's like the main thing. It's like getting in the presence of God Prayer is like so crucial to us. And I, and I think a lot of times, I think the real spiritual people make prayer more complicated than it is, right? And people that, that, that a lot of times have a heart for prayer, they make it real complicated. And so today I, I want to kind of break down some of those complications, but I want you to also know that, that sometimes if we just have a simple prayer life, we miss the depth of it. And so we've got to find this place to where we're persistent in our prayer life. There, there's some consistency there. And so I want to share on, this, on, on the persistence of prayer. Um, I'm going to share with you some realities. I want to pr provoke your hunger to pray a little bit more. And understand this isn't an exhaustive teaching. Come on, this isn't a series on prayer. Uh, this, the, there will be more things that you can add to this list. And uh, so this is kind of a starting point to provoke you. Are you guys with me? Yeah. All right, Luke chapter 11. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. How many know that Jesus probably didn't need to pray, right? But this shows that he actually did need to pray. From our understanding, he wouldn't need to pray, but in, from his understanding, he realized how important it was. How many know that Jesus didn't do anything apart from the Holy Spirit? And so, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. All right, and then Jesus goes into the Our Father prayer. Father, may your name be kept holy. This is a little bit different translation than we have memorized, most of us. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. How many of y'all love it when Jesus breaks it down in a way that we can understand? Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend has, of mine has just arrived for a visit and I, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. But I will tell you this, though he won't do it for his friendship's sake, if you keep on knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Yeah. Have you ever been shamelessly persistent of something? Yeah. 
I'm, I'm a shameless persister. Some of you that, that know me, um, I send you a text message, you don't answer it, and you get 45 question marks after that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm shameless in my persistence, right? I call you, I keep on calling, right? Uh, I'm shameless in my persistence. Some of you oppose that with much resistance, but I'm, I'm a persistent person, and I'm, I'm shameless in that. I mean, you know, when you want something bad enough, there's no shame in it, right? Uh, you put something free... Uh, today, I, I went to, as you guys know, I go to Tom Thumb on Sundays, and they have a little Starbucks there, and kind of finish looking over my notes and getting last-minute touches. I prepare for Sunday mornings and pick up donuts and all that kind of stuff. So I'm there, and they have these tickets for Air Hogs game. That's the Grand Prairie kind of minor league baseball team. And I've really never cared to go because, I mean, we have the Rangers. Uh, but I'm like, well, this is my city. And so if I had a reason to go, I'd probably go, but it's just, you know, it's, it's like minor league. For, you go to the Rangers for about the same price if you know how to do it. If you learn from the master, Eli Dominguez, you can learn how to do that on, on StubHub and get cheap tickets. Come on, come on. And so I'm there, and I'll see Air Hogs tickets, and they're vouchers for free tickets to the Air Hogs game. I was like, hey, <laughs> to the lady there that knows me at the Starbucks. I'm like, hey, you guys have some free tickets here for for uh, the, the game, for the, the Air Hogs. And she's like, really? And she's like, oh, I didn't know those were there. I guess somebody that promotes games there uh, put these tickets there. And I was like, oh, I was like, can I have some? <laughs> and I mean, you know that I wasn't shameful. I wasn't like, oh. <sighs> I was like, these free tickets, it's available to me, so I'm going to be shameless in my persistence. I want these tickets. And so uh, I was, she's like, how many tickets do you want? And I was like, well, there's five in my family. I was like, uh, she's like, well, how about six? And she counted them out. And I was like, okay, how about the whole stack? Actually, I didn't take the whole stack, or I would have given you all tickets today. I was a little shameless in that aspect. But how many know if you really want something, you go after it? Right? If you really want it, you go after it. You don't wait for it to come. And so I feel like many times in our prayer life, we're not really shameless in our persistence. We're just kind of, uh. And so I believe because of that, we settle a lot for the good thing and not the greater thing. Many of you will settle for a good relationship with God and not a great relationship with God because you're not shameless in your persistence of Him. You're okay. Me, I'm okay sometimes. And so what we've got to do is develop this hunger that says, I will be shameless in my persistence. And so I tell you, Jesus says, so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive. Keep on seeking, and you will find. The problem is, is we stop asking. We stop seeking. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. See, I believe that there's doors. God will, you know, sometimes we just kind of pray blanket prayers. God, I, I pray you close doors. And Lord, if it's just your will, it will happen. Bull. That's not true. Jesus says if you keep knocking, the door will be opened. So this teaches us that God's will isn't always just going to happen. That we might get good, and we might be okay, and everything might be all right. But how many know that when God has something better, it's worth going after. It's worth paying the price for in prayer, in persistence. This is what Jesus was teaching. So what would have happened if this guy stopped knocking? If he would have stopped with his shameless persistence, he would have left with no bread. We've got to be after 
what God has promised. So what happens is, is we, we just deal with sickness, right? We deal with poverty spirit. We deal with uh, doing without. We deal with discouragement. We're just the way I am. We make excuses. But we don't go after God who possesses all that we need. We just, we're okay. And we're okay with being okay. How many know that it's not okay to be okay? Like, we don't fight for position of God. We fight from position of God. But how many know that God has more for you? There's more for you. And there's more for you now. And so you say, well, I'm just not. Listen, you've got to be after it. Just go after it. Just be relentless. Be shameless. Just go after it. Don't worry about what people think. What if I wake the kids up? I don't want to wake the kids up. I don't want to. What if. You sit around, what if, what if, what if all day long and miss out. There's more. But you've got to go after it. So Jesus is teaching this in this thing in prayer, this context of being in God's presence, that there's more available, but, but we can't just kind of wait for the doors to open. You're going to wait your whole life. You've got to be a little bit more ambition, ambitious about what, what's available to you. God, provoke our hearts that we would not be complacent in our pursuit of your presence or the, the things that you've promised Uh, all right. It's very frustrating. <laughs> your fathers, if your children ask for fish, do you give them a snake? Judah had his birthday on Friday. Hey, Dad, can I have a fish? Here's a snake, right? What if they ask for an egg? Do you give them a scorpion? We don't understand this. It's weird, right? For a Rolo, you give them cockroach. You know, it's kind of... Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to get good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I would say that the Holy Spirit, if there's, if there's one word someone could say, Josh, what, how would you describe the Holy Spirit? I would say more. When I think of the Holy Spirit, I think more. Because this is what we see under the New Covenant when we receive the Holy Spirit. There's more. There's more activity. There's more presence. There's more Jesus in our lives because of the Holy Spirit. So I don't understand. You know, when I looked at this scripture, I'm like, what is it that Jesus is talking about? Why does he talk about prayer and then like, whoa, if you want the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is the ultimate prayer partner. The Holy Spirit will teach you. He's our advocate. He comes alongside of us. He is the parakletos, as it says in the Greek. He is the one that comes alongside of us and teaches us how to pray. You can pray in the Spirit, you know, pray things that you don't even know what to pray for. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. So the, it's absolutely in the context of prayer, absolutely in the context of presence, because the Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. Jesus teaches us how to pray, and then he's like, you keep going after me. You keep going after my spirit. I'll put my spirit in you, and then you'll pray what I want you to pray. That's what Paul talks about groanings that could not be uttered. He talks about the spirit will, will teach you to pray things that you don't even know what to pray. The Holy Spirit will abide in us. The Holy Spirit is the abiding presence of God in our lives with us continually, and that is, that is, that is the, the part of it. And the Holy Spirit is an it. Okay, we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit isn't an it. The Holy Spirit is a person that you have a relationship with because Jesus gave that to you, gave him to you. 
That's why Jesus said, greater things will you do when I go to the Father, I'm going to give you my spirit. Well, how will we do greater things in Jesus? Because there'll be the Holy Spirit in us and there's more of us. So, let me kind of shift gears a little bit. And let me just say this, that there is a great value in praying the right kinds of prayers. There's a great value in life in asking the right questions. See, some of us, we've got it all wrong. Because we simply ask the wrong questions. We, we, we ask questions like this. Why did this happen to me? Why did they treat me like this? You know what this is? Victim mentality. Why am I in this situation? Why isn't this working out? Why isn't this door opening? Right? Victim. So the questions we ask and the prayers that we pray, because the questions that we ask in the natural or on Facebook are the questions that we ask God, right? I don't know about you, but the questions that I ask other people are the questions. I'm like, God, why, why is that? Why does this happen? So they, 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 they reveal a lot about us and our mentality and our thinking. See, when, when difficult things happen in my life, when I'm going through trials and tribulations, I don't go, why is this happening? I never ask that question. That's the wrong question. Because even if I know why it's happening, it doesn't help me. It doesn't help you to ask questions like, why is this happening? Why did they treat me this way? Why won't this happen? Why does everything just seem to be crumbling? Even if you have those answers, it doesn't help. So why don't you ask the questions that help? In your situations, you don't ask those questions. You ask one question. Who are you, Lord? Because in his presence, in his reality, is the answer to everything. Sick. Where am I sick? I don't know why you're sick. You don't know why you're sick. It could be hereditary. I've been having these headaches. So this past week, I went to the eye doctor. You know, I just turned 40 last week. And I'm like, oh, what's going on with this? This isn't cool. I don't want to be 40. And the first thing I need to do is go get my eyes checked. Then I go, and they're like, well, the muscles, blah, blah, blah. you probably need glasses. So we got online and got a prescription. <laughs> like, this isn't right. How many of you know that knowing that I'm 40 doesn't help my eyes any? But I can know Jesus, who is the healer, and he has everything that I need. Are you with me? Whether it's eyesight or cancer, the answer isn't why is this happening. The, 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 the question isn't why is this happening. The, the question is, who are you, Lord? What can I find in the midst of this? Ask the right questions. I believe that asking the right questions and praying the right prayers is really the key to opening, up, opening more doors, opening up more revelation in our life. Check this out. 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7. God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Now this is Solomon. Solomon learned some things from his daddy, David, right? And so Solomon is now the king, and he goes before God, and this is what God says, okay? Ask me for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered, answered God, he said, you have, shown me, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and you have made me king in his palace. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed. And you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust on the earth. And this is what he says. This is what he asks for. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours. And God said to Solomon, now, we know Solomon as a wise man, but we also know him for being super rich. Probably the richest person that has ever lived on the earth, in, up until even today, 
Compared to today, Solomon's the richest man that ever lived. But he wasn't rich just because he asked God for riches. He didn't ask God for riches. God said to Solomon, Since this is your heart's desire, and since you have not asked for wealth, riches, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And I will also give you wealth, riches, and honor, such as no king who was ever before you have ever had, and none after you will ever have. So God answers the right question that Solomon was asking. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, hey, I want wisdom to lead your people. And God said, because you put my kingdom first. Exactly what Jesus said, Matthew 6.33. Because you seek first the kingdom and my righteousness, which is what he was seeking before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. Because he was seeking to know how to lead God's people and manage God's kingdom. Because he said, God, these aren't my people. They're your people. I just want wisdom. I want to manage what is yours. And this is what we have in the kingdom. When we set that straight, when we ask the right prayers, when we get into perspective and partnership with God and realizing that this kingdom is something that God has given me to manage... He adds all these things unto us. Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added. What did he seek? Wisdom to lead God's people. Wisdom to manage God's kingdom. And God said, I'm going to take care of you. So, let's talk about prayer. Okay? We all struggle. How many struggle with prayer? Come on. I, I'll, I'll be real honest. I struggle sometimes making that time. Right? Not having the time. We all have the time. You're not too busy. You're not too busy to do anything. And you're not too poor to do anything either. It's just what do you want? Our hunger is always satisfied. We figure out a way to, to get what we really want. God has given you this power and this authority. All right. Ten prayer realities. Are you ready? You go, oh, man, Josh, how long are we going to be here today? Well, we're going to be here in a minute. I'll get you out of here by 1.30. All right. Ten prayer realities. I'm going to fly through these. Number one, there are different modes of prayer. This is going to be real practical for you, but I want to help you out. There are ten modes of prayer, okay, different modes. Now, these aren't all the modes. These are some different modes, different modes of prayer. These are just seven of them. Number one, adoration. That's worship, right? When Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? That is a mode of prayer, worship, adoration. Number two, supplication. What is supplication? Supplication is when we go before God and we ask him something, right? God, will you bless my food? God, will you bring in finances? God, would you uh, change my heart towards the, the, the needs that we have, the, the give us our daily bread, bread prayers? Third, there's, there's the prayers of intercession, what intercession? What does that mean? Isn't all prayer intercession? No, not all prayer is intercession. Intercession, is it spelled wrong? I think so. Intercession simply means this, representation. So when you hear intercession, you don't think, oh, you know, some old lady that prays for 40 hours a week. No, no, no. You just think representation. Because when you intercede, you represent. So if I'm praying for Nathan this week, I'm representing him before God. Okay, we are intercession. We represent God to the world and the world to God through our prayers. And that's called intercession. Number four is consecration. And what's the prayers of consecration? Prayers of consecration is when we set aside 
time where we set aside a season to say, I'm going to pray. And we just, we consecrate ourselves. We say, this is, this is the moment that I'm going to be with God. I mean, when, how many of you know that when you consecrate as designated time of a day to God, that he makes the rest of your day better? It's the whole, listen, this thing called Christianity is very, very simple. It's just our hunt. What are we hunting after? We hunt the kingdom. He adds things. It's just the way it works. Priorities. It's really all about priorities. I'm discouraged. Pursue Jesus. It can be discouraging at times, but you won't be depressed. I mean, you know, there's a big difference between discouragement and depression. It could be a medical issue, but it's probably a priority issue. Okay, could be a medical issue. How many know that you can't, you, you stop taking the medication, the problem's still there? Okay. With any sickness, move along. Number five. Declaration, prayer is a declaration. That's whenever we're saying, God, I know it's your, your word promises that, that, that Jesus died for my healing. You're sick. You declare that over your body. Not God, if you will. It is God's will. Jesus didn't die in me. It is God's will to heal you. Oh, well, he didn't heal me. I guess it's not God's will. No, no, no. What about the going after, knocking on? How many know that, when, that it says that Jesus, by his stripes, we were healed? If God didn't want to heal you, he wouldn't have. It's God's will to prosper you. That doesn't mean that you're going to have a limo with a hot tub in the back or live in a motel. But it is God's will that your needs be provided for. You say, well, my needs aren't going to be provided for. Are you tithing? Are you partnering with God? Are you seeking the kingdom in your finances? I don't know what's so difficult. Well, I mean, it's God's system. Seek him first. Okay. It's just, it's a principle. First, put God first. Okay? <laughs> uh, so declaration. The promises, uses the kingdom, uses the power. Listen, if you're kingdom-centered, God's like, if you're going to take, this is what you said in the video, if you take care of God's kingdom, he's going to take care of you. Hands down. It's just the way it works. Priority. Um, next is contention and, dom and domination. Now, when we talk about that, we're talking about warfare. Uh, I, I was telling Leslie this yesterday. You know, a lot of people, when we think of people that are real prayer people, um, I don't know about you, but most of the people that I've met in my life that really have a gift of prayer, like they're a prayer warrior, this is who they are, a lot of times they end up kind of being demon chasers. You guys know what I'm talking about? They're like, oh, there's, we need to find the curse, and we need to find the demon. Listen, there is a place for that. Jesus showed us this. But did you know that anytime Jesus taught us to pray, he never mentions the devil? It's never in the context of prayer. He addressed demons, but it was never in the context of prayer. That's not saying we shouldn't deal with them in prayer, because I believe that, that we gain ground in prayer. However, the focus of our prayer is not the enemy. The focus of our prayer is the Father. And so we get before the Father. Understand that. And then demons tremble. You're not, we're not chasing demons. We're not chasing curses. We're not trying to figure out reasons. We're trying to figure out resources and the resources in his presence. Again, there's a place for these things, but it's not to consume our prayer life. I, you know, I've been around so many people that are like prayer people, and then all of a sudden they get in like demon fight mode. And it freaks me out. Demons! Whoa, I thought, whoa, hold on. Are we talking to Jesus or are we talking to demons? I mean, who, who are we talking to right now? Right? Devil! Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, whoa, how I many you know authority isn't in the volume? Authority's in the confidence. 
You're like, whoa, get out of me. All right. Jesus never told us to pray to the devil. Isn't it so rude, though? We're like praying, Father, I just thank you. And devil! Whoa. <laughs> Again, there's a place for it. Like, who are we talking to here? You're confusing me. And listen, there is some of that. Some of that needs to happen. Some of that needs to happen in your life. You might have demons affecting you. We'll just leave it at that. They're influencing you. Let's, get, let's deal with that. All right, so there's, there's prayers of contention and domination. And number seven, there's prayers of connection, connecting with God in meditation, the Our Father, Our Father. Um, I heard this amazing thing from Bill Johnson. Most of you all know Bill Johnson is like my, my go-to. And uh, he says this uh, that he heard from Jack Hayford. He said, every day, he's like, you need to get before God's presence until he warms your heart. And I thought, wow, what a great way. To, listen, every day, you said, might say, again, that might be like emotional where you're talking about during worship. It doesn't matter. You need that. You can call it emotional. You can call it being less faith-filled. I need that. I need God to warm. So I've, I've developed this practice of when I wake up in the morning that I connect with God. A lot of times we're kind of observing like what, what God's doing, go, oh, wow, I wish that would happen to me, rather than just setting our affections on him. And we just set our heart on him. We say, God, would you just, I love you. I thank you for your love. And we think about how he loves us and his affection towards us, and then all of a sudden, like, we just feel the warmth of his, of his presence. I would say that you start every day and you end every day like that. When you're discouraged, that's where you go. You don't go to tell somebody else or text a message or complain to somebody else. You go to God. Engage your heart. First and the last thing that you do, set your affections on him. Okay. So we talked about different prayer modes. Number two, second, second reality about prayer. Number one is we have prayer, different prayer modes. Number two is everything begins and ends with prayer. In our life as believers, as people that are in the kingdom of God, everything begins and ends with prayer. Prayer is not a means to an end, but the end to all means. So we don't, we don't pray. This is when I first got saved. This is the way. Eli probably remembers me being like this. I prayed, man, we can't be effective for God unless we have a prayer life. That was why we prayed, so we could be effective for God. I mean, that's totally backwards. We're effective with God to enhance our intimacy with him. So at the end of the day, we go to him and say, man, God, wasn't that awesome what you did today? Whether we pray out of our knee, go, oh, God, listen, you get connected with God, you're going to be more effective. Your life's going to be more effective. It's going, to be, it's going to be better. It's going to be richer. But we're not going to God in, in attempts to kind of rub a genie, rub a, a bottle to get a genie to come out to do something we want. That's not the intention of prayer. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. Everything begins and ends with prayer. Uh, prayer should be a continuous sequence in our life. Prayer is a lifestyle. It's not, it's not I'm going from prayer time to prayer time. My life is a prayer. Prayer is my lifestyle. And I might poke my head out every once in a while. That's why it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, pray without ceasing. That sounds difficult. Not when prayer is a lifestyle for you. Not when you have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Number three, a healthy prayer life is a consistent one. A healthy prayer life is a consistent one. Oh, my prayer life is kind of bad right now. You probably don't have a prayer life. A healthy prayer life is a consistent one. Number four, prayer is a catalyst for desire. 
So you learn to pray the right things when you pray. It's just weird. How do I know what to pray? Just pray. Just get before God. I don't have the answer. Get a worship CD, play it on the background, and pray. God will start putting desires in you. I will also know that, that this, that in prayer, your desires change. I see all this crap on the internet all the time about bashing our president and bashing our nation. And all this. How many know that that does no good? But when you get and you pray for your president, when you pray for your nation, your attitude and your heart changes. I, it doesn't mean an endorsement of what people are doing. When you pray against the sinful, when you pray against, not against the sinful, but against the sin, that, and you pray for the person, you love them by praying for them, it changes your heart towards them. Rather than just getting on everywhere and complaining about how bad things are, how about you pray about it and watch God steer your heart? And watch how more loving you are towards situations and circumstances. I, I, I promise you, if we had a nation of, of Christians that would pray as much as they get negative and post stuff on Facebook, we'd have a nation that was transformed. I'm telling you, that's what the, the answer is prayer. But instead, we'd rather complain about it, and nothing changes. Because all we have is more information. All we're doing is being negative and adding to the problem when God says, get before me. Just get before me. God is the one that can change it. Not your friends on Facebook. Not a vote. A vote isn't going to... We can have the right person in office. is isn't going to change anything. It isn't going to change anything. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'll heal their land. I will deal with it. So prayer is the catalyst for desire. I don't know how I got onto that, but we did there. What are we hunting for in prayer? Listen, most of our prayers are driven by what we want that will improve our life or make us more comfortable. But I'm finding that in the place of prayer that my heart is bent on what he wants. I, I've noticed before, like when I pray like something materialistic, or well, I want this in my life, and I start praying about it, I notice that God kind of bends my heart, and I'm not so concerned about that. I'm just kind of like, well, it's not really a big deal, God. And so what I'm finding is that when I get before, he transforms my desires. That's why it says, we, talked, we hit on this a few weeks ago. That's why Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be given to you. That, that word in the Greek right there is ateo, which means desire. Whatever you desire when you pray. Now, how many of you have desires when you pray? So it doesn't make no sense that I have these desires and then I pray and that thing doesn't happen. Because sometimes those desires are carnal. So what we do is we get in the place of prayer, we partner with Jesus, we partner with the Holy Spirit, and he teaches us what to pray. He teaches us what he wants. So when we ask for that, that happens. James 4, 2, and 3 says, You do not have because you do not ask God, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So part of the reason of unanswered prayers, which no prayer is unanswered, but part of the reason why we don't see effects of our prayer is because our motives are wrong. Manipulation. These type of things. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What is that saying? That's saying put Jesus as the delight of your life. Put the presence of God as the delight of your life, and God will give you what's on your heart. Why? Because your heart will be different because Jesus is on the throne of your heart. And so your desires change. Number five. Brief prayers are underrated. Brief prayers are underrated. Listen, you've got to start somewhere. It might be, now I lay me down to sleep or pray the Lord my soul to keep. Amen. <laughs> How many know that that's still effective? Listen, if you need help with your prayer, Tom, and it, your prayers are just brief, pray the prayer of Jesus. 
Jesus gave us an outline. Our Father who art in heaven, worship God. Pray, P-R-A-Y, a little thing we used to do. Praise God. Repent of anything in your life that's wrong or sinful. A-P-R-A, anything. Pray for anything. And then last, why? Pray for yourself. You always pray for yourself last. Because the last should be first, right? Right? We put others first. Joy is found in putting others first. So brief prayers are underrated. Number six, fervent prayers are faith building. Don't give me this garbage about it's not your personality to be fervent. It says in James 5.16, the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so when you pray, don't just, I'm not saying you always got to be like, oh, God, I'm not saying you have to do that every time you pray, but you better do that some. You better get urgent some. You better get shameless, persistent some. Because those are faith-filled. Those are the things that are going to build your faith. I tell you, sometimes I'm just praying, but sometimes it just rises up in me, and I'm like, come on, God, what are you coming? And it's like, it's heaven invades, and I'm like, whoa, my faith is built, right? You guys have done it before. If you don't ever pray like that, then pray like that today. I love what Gordon Lindsay used to say. He said, every Christian should pray at least one violent prayer a day. It's good. You should pray a violent prayer. That isn't again, not against the devil, just violent in your approach. God, we ask that you fill my heart with your love. You can't, you can't pray it like that and your heart not be filled with his love. It just happens. You're just like, oh. Right? You pray, you get all fired up. But the problem is, is you're too shameful in your persistence, not shameless in your persistence. And so you settle for the mediocre little flicker flame hot stove. Versus the blazing house burning down flame. And when you pray, don't just think prayers. Say prayers. In fact, in Luke 11, 12, 2, that we just said, Jesus said, when you, when you pray, say. Silent prayers are great, but voice prayers are better. They just are. That's why Jesus said pray. So say, don't think prayers. Say prayers. Right? Oh, let's just think a prayer. That does nothing for me. Maybe it does something for you. I don't know. But if, if nothing else, just to build up me when I'm praying with you, don't pray like that. I hate when I get in a group of people who are like, let's pray, and everybody's like. <laughs> just in their mind, they're thinking I'm just. And if you're a guy, you're totally checked out. You're not even thinking anything. When you Listen, you lead your mind by the things that you say. And you also lead your heart that way. Okay? Um, number seven. We need to hurry. If you don't set a time to pray, you won't make the time to. If you don't set a time to pray, you won't make the time to. You with me on that? So set a time. Set, it, set an appointment. God's, God's got an appointment with you. God's got an appointment book, and he's waiting for you to tell him what time. If Jesus had to pray, then absolutely you have to. <laughs> Come on. Number eight, persistent prayers are effectual. We, effective. I have effectual on my notes. Same thing. Same difference. Huh? Yes, it is. It is, too. I don't have a spell check on here. Thank you so much, Mr. Teacher, English teacher. Uh, persistent prayers are effective. I, when I first got saved, I kind of got into this, like, uh, faith movement stuff, and I love it. I, I agree with a lot of it. A lot of it I don't agree with. And one of the things they would say is if you pray for something more than once, 
then it's because you don't have faith that God will answer that. How many know that's garbage? Jesus just taught us that you keep praying, that you keep going after those things. So you've got to be faithful and persistent in your prayers. Are you located now? This is very practical. All right, number nine. Answers to prayer are not always conventional. Sometimes we ask for direction, and God gives us wisdom. Sometimes we ask for the oak tree, God gives us the seed, right? God gives us the acorn. Many times God wants you to partner with him for the answer. For instance, God fund the kingdom. Lord, we ask that you bring finances into the kingdom, and you get a promotion at work. Right? Okay? Let me just tell you this right now. Although God is sovereign and his will is perfect, you can ask for direction and he might not tell you anything and he might give you options. And he might bless you in whichever thing that you decide to do because he's given you wisdom and now he's just asking you to act on it. Now, we're not talking about God tells you to do something, you do something different. We're not talking about disobedience. We're talking about you don't have direction. God, what am I to do? I don't know what to do. So I'll just sit around for two years waiting for God to tell me. How many of you know that's stupid? No, God wants to give you wisdom to make some decisions and quit acting like a baby. And go out and live for the kingdom and put the kingdom first, and he's going to bless you. The problem is we don't ever spend any time for prayer, so we just ask God to bless whatever we're doing. And it just doesn't really work that way. You've got to have the, the presence abiding what you're doing. Um, sometimes the answer to promise, uh, to non-promise issues, and I believe, non, I believe all promise issues, uh, freedom, uh, healing, deliverance, those kind of things, I believe that the, the time for those things is always now. I really believe that. But however, non-promise issues, sometimes the answer is no or not now. Um. And let me just say this. I heard that this was wisdom that spoke to us about a pastor friend of ours. He said this. He said, God's delay is not always God's denial. So if it's something that your heart won't leave, then you just keep praying for it. And I believe if you keep praying for it, if God doesn't will for you to have that, again, non-promise issues, if God doesn't want you to have that, then he'll steer your heart. Okay? So God's delay is not always God's denial. Listen, if you stop praying because, because they seem unanswered, if you stop saying your prayers because your prayers seem unanswered, then you're praying. You, you, you miss the point. You miss the point of prayer. There's many, I've heard this before. People say, oh, I'll just stop praying because my prayers weren't get in, getting answered. You miss the point. The point of prayer isn't your petition. It's just part of prayer. The main intention, number 10, the main intention of prayer is connection. The main intention of prayer is his presence. It's being in the presence of God. It's not even about getting the answers. It's about spending time with him. It's not, about peti- it's not a petition. It's a person. It's not penance. It's not we're trying to do this so we'll get God's approval. God's already approved of you through Jesus. It's fellowship with God. The question of our hunt During prayer, the question of our hunt is not what we're after in prayer, but who we're after in prayer. Who we're after. The more we pray, 
the reasoning changes from being petition-driven to being connection-driven. It's like this. Need will keep you on your knees, right? I mean, when it's difficult around you, you, you tend to pray a little bit more. However, whenever we develop the discipline of prayer, what we find is that, man, I'm like praying. I'm like seeking God. I'm going after God. And I'm going after God. Eventually, the reasoning for prayer changes. I'm not going to God because I need something. Well, I do need something. I need Him. But I'm going to God because I want to be in His presence in a deeper level. This is called maturity. Right now, my kids will come to me because they need me. But eventually, at a point in their life, they won't need their daddy anymore. But there'll be nothing more in my heart than for them to say, Dad, can I just come over and hang out? I don't have a need. I don't, I don't need money. <laughs> come on, I don't need you to feed me. I just want to hang out. I just want to be in your presence. This is what ravishes God's heart. This is what's called maturity for us. That we don't just go to God because we need a thing or need a petition answered. We go to God because we need his presence, because we want his presence to fill our lives. How many know that when God's in it, he blesses it? We're, we're going to close right now. Many times we come to prayer and we're asking God, God, would you bless this? 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 Lord, would you come? Would you bless this? Would you, would you take care of this? And all my need, all my need, all my need. Listen, if we just get before God, if the only thing that you pray when you get before God is not even petition, and you can make your list, I would encourage you to do that. Make a little note on your phone. when someone when, And don't be that person when someone says, will you pray for me? And you say, yeah, and you don't do it. Pray for them right then. Don't be like, okay, yeah, I'll pray for you. No, let's just pray right now. Because you might forget later. And then you can also write it down in your phone. And you have a little running list or a piece of paper, whatever it is that you write stuff down on a little note sheet. And you just have your petition right there. But listen, the point of prayer isn't the petition. It's not the list. It's not the outline. It's not even the discipline. It's Him. It's His presence. It's the point of prayer.